this week's episode of the All Things Bama podcast, Mason, Katie, and Austin discuss Alabama's blowout loss against Oklahoma. Then, the crew debates who would benefit most from the Senior Bowl. It's the All Things Bama podcast, a part of the Bama Central Podcast Network. Welcome to the All Things Bama Podcast, a part of the Bama Central Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mason Smith, alongside Katie Winneman and Austin Hannon. Joey Blackwell is currently on the road back from Texas, so he will not be joining us today. But honestly, there is not much that he could even interject to this conversation as Alabama men's basketball just absolutely got obliterated by Oklahoma over the weekend. The score was 93 to 60. Nine, excuse me, 93 to 69. Brandon Miller only had 11 points. Rylan Griffin actually led the team with 15. Austin, there weren't a lot of high points at all during that entire game. Just what happened? Just what happened against Oklahoma? Yeah, I think if there's any positives, I mean, and you don't, I mean, you take it like a grain of salt because it was in trash time, but Rylan Griffin looked good down the stretch in the game. Um, He scored a team high 15 points, kind of had some nice buckets, including a really long three. Um, He had a nice dunk there. But I mean, other than that, there was really nothing that went well. It was, it was like you said before we started recruiting, kind of a massacre. Um, unexpected, honestly. I, I thought Alabama would do pretty well against Oklahoma on Saturday. Um, obviously, they struggled really the last four games now. If you if you go back to Vanderbilt and Missouri and Mississippi State, and now this, ever since the Darius Miles thing, if if you want to put a date on it, um, it seems like they haven't been the exact same team after beating LSU by forty. Since then, it's just been you know, yes, they won by double digits at Vandy. Yes, they won by twenty one at Missouri, and yes, they beat Mississippi State. But I don't think they were particularly impressive in any of those games. Um, so offensively, at least. But then you go to Oklahoma and you were bad on both sides of the ball. They couldn't shoot it. They didn't play defense. Um, and I think the defense thing really irked Oates. Uh, he was mad after the game. He was mad this morning, um, kind of just thinking about what happened to his team's defense last last Saturday. Because um, last season, this is something we saw all the time. And it was a one of the big reasons that this team didn't, you know, really do anything in March last year was because of the defense. Um, and he thought he had gotten that fixed. You know, they were in the top 10 in Kempom and defense for a while. And then they give up 93 points to Oklahoma, a struggling Oklahoma team that had just lost by 27 points earlier in the week. So, you know, very surprising, not what you want to happen. Um, but, oh, I guess there is one more positive uh, other than Ryland Griffin. This was not a conference game. So uh, Mason, yeah, you said it on the last true. podcast, you know, if, there was a game that Alabama could maybe lose. It would be this one just because um, it was at a conference and, you know, you don't get a loss. You don't get this. You, there's no number one yet in the loss column for the SEC play. So uh, they still have a lead on Tennessee as well as Tennessee's playing. Alabama's still in front of them um, regardless of this bad loss. But you got to you gotta just clear it from your memory. And I know they want to use it as motivation, but you kind of just have to realize, hey, we need to get this out of our head. You know, we're a better team than this and, and kind of focus on Vanderbilt and LSU this week. That's absolutely true. And honestly, Grant Sheriff for Oklahoma, credit to him. He just Stud. balled out yep. a 30, a 30 piece, a 30 piece McNugget. It was definitely just a, a great show. By, <laughs> it was a great show by, by uh, Oklahoma's Grant Sherfield. Now, one another thing, you know, it's a lot of people kind of nitpick from the Oklahoma game. But another thing that's probably an alarming stat for people, Charles Bediaco. I mean, Nato's yeah, kind of talked about he Nato's talked about get to play better defense and. He was just so ineffective. Honestly, he just got she weighed. 
I got he he got the Sheway treatment how Alabama did against Sheway in Kentucky. He only played eight minutes. That is the first game this year where Bidak has played less than ten minutes in a game. They only had one foul. So if he's if he's not in foul trouble and he still played less than ten minutes, that alone should tell you how ineffective he was throughout the entire game. You know what's crazy is the best big on this team right now might be Nick Pringle. You you kinda you kinda have an argument. Little Clowney's still playing good basketball, but he can't he can't hit a boat right now with a shot i mean oh, he's no, missed no, like no. 23s in a row half of them are not hitting rim and then you've got charles bediaka who if he's in the game is not playing well and then half the time he's on the bench because he's fouled four times so yes. i mean there's there's definitely issues in the in the front court and it's got to get figured out because charles was a guy that we were all on early in the year we thought he looked so improved from last year and how he was going to be a big deal and a big part of this alabama team you know and their success and he's just kind of been a no-show for weeks now so i don't know what the deal is there uh, but you got to get it figured out or Nick Pringle might get slotted in the five spot here soon. Honestly, I would. I like to go a lot of credit to Nick Pringle because Nick Pringle stays ready. And even even talking to him, you know, when I had an interview with him and that, that story will come out when it's ready. But at the same time, he he's just always staying prepared for his role. And yes, he only got maybe two points and three rebounds in what's quote unquote garbage time. But he always plays hard. And that's one thing that Neto wants more than anything. And on top of that. The thing that really kind of keeps Nick Pringle off the floor is really in between the ears. There's really nothing about, you know, his actual play. It's nothing about, you know, his his prowess on the glass or things like that. It's just the fact that NATO's probably doesn't see. I've seen him kind of like blow a coverage. He can kind of get an unnecessary foul. You know, some of those calls may be, you know, justified or whatnot, but there are some you know, mental plays that Nick Pringle can kind of struggle with as to why he may not get as many minutes. But hey, like you just said, Austin, if Betty Yako keeps not playing well and Noah Kleiner keeps not making shots, like you, he's going to have to eventually make a change because unlike the guard death where they're still kind of producing in other ways, Betty, Betty Yako is really kind of hindering them. But even to that point, even going before the Oklahoma game, Katie, we watched the Mississippi State game where – Alabama scraped by the skin of their teeth by three points against the Mississippi State team that looked much improved from the first contest. So I guess, and honestly, we should have seen it coming. You know, what did you think about that? Yeah, I mean, first, from what you are just talking about, about post-play, I think if Alabama is at its ceiling or if they want to reach their peak, I don't think you want to be saying that Nick Pringle is your best pick. Because <laughs> right. It's not a good I mean, thing. I, I don't like he like you're saying, Mason, you know, he's always ready. He always plays hard, but he's not Alabama's most talented big. He's not, you know, doesn't necessarily have the footwork down in the post to defend, um, you know, some of the elite bigs in, in college basketball. And that's part of the reason he hasn't, you know, he, he's he's a guy coming from Juco. And so he he's talented. Obviously, Alabama wanted to recruit him. Otherwise, he has like one of the best, if not the best. I'm not sure. Um after this past weekend, because I, I was out of town, but I mean, he has one of the best field goal percentages in the nation, by far the best on the team, with not as much of a you know sample size as everyone else. But uh, you you need Charles Bediaco to start stepping up, and I think you know uh, the the past couple of games shooting obviously have not been great for Noah Clowney at all. But um, and he didn't necessarily have he did not have a good game against Oklahoma, and not necessarily a great game against Mississippi State either, but just. You know, last week at Missouri, he he was probably Alabama's best player in that game. So, and he's been you know really strong for Alabama all year. So I think um, he obviously needs to turn it up a little bit. Um, maybe I, I don't know because we've seen you don't want to tell the guy to not shoot any more threes because he's made some big ones for Alabama this year. He obviously kicked off that big run at the end of the Arkansas game that helped Alabama pull away. 
Um, he made a lot of threes in that game, but it's been abysmal lately. So it's like he's either got to get more confidence in there or maybe um, not be taking that shot as much. But it's not just him not making that shot that's not helping the offense. It's when he's a viable threat. It helps open up other people because then people have to go out to the perimeter to defend him, which mm-hmm. opens up other people the opportunity to score. But when he's shooting from beyond the arc right now, a lot of teams aren't necessarily going to go out there because he hasn't been hitting them. So – um, that's something that needs to improve. But th- that Mississippi State game, I think it's kind of, you know, talking to Oates, but both in the Oklahoma game and in the Mississippi State game, Alabama did not come out strong. I, I thought, I mean, Austin talked about this a little bit, I think, in our courtside after the game against Mississippi State. But, I mean, before that game in Coleman, it seemed like, I mean, the, it wasn't a sold-out crowd on a Wednesday night. but Energy it was, was very high. I mean, I thought the way they had done the pregame videos, just how the crowd was ready to explode, and then the team just came out kind of flat, honestly, and struggling offensively. And like you said, credit to Mississippi State. Um, you know, they got a big win over the weekend over TCU at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had an extremely tough conference schedule to start out, having to play the top two teams, Alabama and Tennessee, um, both twice in their first eight games, which is which is a tough draw. I think they'll win a lot more games in the back half of their schedule, um, but. Yeah, I think maybe Mississippi State was a little – obviously ended up being a little preview of what was to come against Oklahoma. But I think that's why, kind of like Austin, what you said, I I did not think Alabama was going to lose on Saturday heading into the game because I thought Mississippi State maybe already – That was, was already the wake-up call. call, right? Yeah. Because on, on Wednesday said, night. After the game against Mississippi State, you know, somebody asked how's the team handling the target out in their back, and he said, well, obviously we didn't handle it very well tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't come out strong, but I liked the way they played blah, blah, blah. Like we, we got really, we got onto them a lot at halftime. Um, cause I think they ended up at Mississippi state. They were trailing by seven at the half. Thanks to the would have been 10, but Dom Welch, um, hit a three right before mm-hmm. the half to cut it to seven. Um, but he, he, you know, he said they're really fired up in the locker room at halftime. So I thought maybe that was the wake up call for the team, but when you're on the road, and you're the number two team in the country, you know, everyone's going to be fired up. Everyone's going to be ready to play you. So uh, if you're not ready to go, they are going to be. And I think, Austin, what you asked him today about, you know, kind of how do you hit the reset button? And the first thing you said was effort. NATO prides himself on blue collar. Um, and max effort is like one of the three, I think, core principles or tenets of that, however you want to look at it. So, I think that's what this team's got to get back to. We have not seen max effort in the last two games, um, which you just also do have to acknowledge that this is the grind of a long season. I mean, they're in the middle of the SEC schedule. This is a team that's relied on freshmen a lot that haven't been through this type of schedule before. And so there are going to be guys that are going to be physically tired. They're going to be banged up a little bit. Um, you still have guys coming back from injury. Namari still um, getting back, which once he's, you know, closer to full health, I think that'll help some, especially defensively. Um, but I think that, um, kind of effort is the biggest thing, intensity, the blue collar stuff that needs to change for this team and, and shots will start falling again for guys, maybe not clowny. He, he's not, it's nice if you can get him to shoot the three or at least be a threat from three, but really to me, Mark Sears is the guy that you need to start hitting more threes in that guard spot. Man, Noah Clowney is 0 for 20 on his last 23s. <laughs> like that, like that is just that is just a major just man. Like, and it, and it also and it also kind of hurts. And Austin, I saw you saw your hand raise, which is kind of funny. I'm gonna go right to you after this. The two yeah. players that kind of make me nervous in terms of this wasn't the reason Alabama lost on Saturday. We talked about Noah Clowney shooting, 
and Jaden Bradley. We've seen Jaden Bradley not really be able to shoot the ball, and he's more than an effective driver. He's a great at getting to the free throw line. He's great at attacking the basket. But if your other scores or other perimeter shooters aren't really hitting at a high percentage enough clip, that kind of shrinks the floor for him. And if he's not going to be able to, you know, consistently be a threat from outside, that's going to make that's going to make the offense even more more tight. No, Austin, just to kind of go on to the next point, you know, to be a little bit more solution oriented, does something need to change? Like what what needs to change? Is it a rotational thing? Is it a mental approach? What does Alabama need to do to turn it around going into the second half of SEC play? Okay, so Jaden Bradley, you talked about him. Um, I, I, I really thought he was poor on Saturday. I, I, I didn't think his effort was good. I, I think the last couple games he hasn't played really well. And kind of like Betty Aka we were talking about earlier, the big thing that needs to change is the guys that were stepping up early in the year need to do it again. Like it it went from, oh, this Alabama team's great. They've got 11, 12 guys that can go on the court and play at a high level to now it's like who can play at a high level. Like of the 12, how many can go out there and actually like do what they're supposed to do because the last few games that everybody's out of whack on both sides and the depth that this team has is just kind of fading because we do, is there anybody that we can rely on out there? And that includes Brandon Miller. I mean, if we, we don't want to ever point fingers at the guy because he's the best player on the team and he's, you know, carried the offense at a lot of games. He deflected but, a lot too today too, or I shouldn't say today, but during Monday's press conference, he deflected a lot, which is, you know, what the star player should do. But at the end of the day, it's, it's still yeah i mean last three games he's averaging 13 points on 37.1 percent shooting um that was and that's after he was averaging over 20 points a game um he's struggling and you know everybody's gonna go through slumps and i think the team might be going through a slump i mean basketball that's the way it is you're not gonna be you can't be perfect all year you don't peak all year you're gonna have times when your team's not playing well you just have to make sure it's not at a bad time in the season and if that time's right now you know late january is not the worst thing in the world um, you know, last year we saw the team just absolutely implode in March, um, which that is the worst time Then you could do this. And th- th- hopefully that this is just a little bit of a dip and in, in a performance and it'll switch. But it, it is a little concerning and I don't want to go overboard because it's just been really two bad games. I mean, one mm-hmm. of them was a win. But, you know, in the interviews, it kind of feels like it sometimes it did last year when Oates is saying like, yeah, you know, our guys didn't have any effort tonight, you know, but they will next game. And then. Oklahoma game comes, same thing. Yeah, they didn't listen, didn't look very good today, but, you know, next game, I think we're going to get it together. That happened a ton last year. It was like every game Oates had to say, like, hey, this team's going to get it eventually, and then they just never did. The effort was just never there. So hopefully we're not seeing a switch to a more 21-22 Alabama team right now, or this is just like a very short break in what's going to be a really good team and a really good season. But, um, yeah, it's got to start tomorrow night. I, I don't think you can come out and play bad again tomorrow night and struggle to a win or even lose or else there's the saving some big questions the saving grace as to why alabama may not be as bad as 21 22 the team is just overall more talented and that i think that's probably one that's one thing i kind of that ronald griffin talked about you know coach coach Oates warned them and what do you say they didn't really listen and if you're not gonna listen then you know you're you're bound to get blown out by a team and we it was so funny Oates talked specifically about it hey they're trying to get a, a tournament seed they they were asked they're trying to get that signature win to improve their NCAA tournament stock and they got exactly that oklahoma this win may be enough to get Oklahoma in the playoff in the NCAA tournament, which is hilarious. But at the end of the day, there are still a lot of there are still some things that need to be fixed. And one thing that really shocks me, and this is just a, a raw stat, Charles Bediaco has 63 defensive rebounds on the season. That is good for fourth on the team. Who is guess who was third on the team with 70 defensive rebounds? Brandon Miller. Mark Sears. Mark Brandon Sears. Second or first, yeah. 
Miller is first at 129. Yeah. Noah Clowney is first at 124. Mark Sears is out rebounding a seven footer in deep on defensive glass. And it, a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's never on the floor. Yeah, that's and why is that? He's always in foul trouble. No, that, that's true. But even so, if you if you think about it, how it shouldn't be possible to to have that have that much of a disparity. They're only let's see, one, two games. There are only two games where Charles Bodiakos had double digit rebounds. As a, yeah. as a seven footer, yeah. Most times there are not teams that are going to go anywhere near his size, and he still only has two double digit rebound games. You know, this this is not a bash Charles Bediaco thing because, of course, I still think he's talented. I still think he he can turn it around along with the rest of the team. But that absolutely has to change. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to be that true, you know, dominant big that he can be, that he has shown the potential to be. He did well against Oscar Shiba, which is the potential player, which was the reigning player of the year. But you're still kind of dropping goose eggs in the other performances. That's not going to cut it. So again, we're I'm I'm not going to you know keep bashing on these guys. Also, you can you can yeah. say your last before you move on <laughs> to the next one. Yeah, I'll stop I'll stop bashing on them too. Uh, but if there's any silver lining here, and it, it might be a segue into you know what we're previewing next, there's three very very winnable games coming up right now um, that I I think Alabama needs to go three and zero in the stretch. You got Vanderbilt at home, then you go at LSU, who you already beat by forty, and then you got Florida at home, who's improving but they're still not on the level that this Alabama team is you have to go three and on that stretch because right after that is your trips to Knoxville and Auburn um so and remember Vanderbilt still doesn't have Liam Robbins he's probably probably done for the year yep so yeah Katie what do you think well I was just gonna say one interesting thing about that is you think yes the schedule sets up this is a good time um and the schedule for like this to happen after the Oklahoma loss but and I wrote a story earlier today about this is a very, very similar position to what Alabama was in two years ago when they're on an SEC tournament run, you know, or SEC regular season title run. They're on a long undefeated streak heading into the SEC Big 12 Challenge, undefeated in conference play. They lose that game, which Alabama did end up dropping two conference games after that, but they still won the SEC. But in that stretch um, in 2021, they lose to Oklahoma. Then the next game is against home at home against LSU and they win. And then the next game was at Missouri, um, which Missouri was bad. Actually, no, they were ranked that year. Um, but they they were a team that I thought Alabama had already beaten that year, but maybe not. But um, these are winnable games, but they can also be trap games against teams that you've already beat. So like you're saying, Austin, you have to take care of business against these teams. Now, LSU is bad. I know it's on the road, but, I mean, they – Bless their heart. Bless, bless their heart. The other day, so Alabama should be able to handle that. I don't, you know, we, we talk about the target being on their backs and going on road to road games. LSU is so bad this year that I don't even know how many. I mean, it, I doubt it'll be full in there, but maybe it will be just to try and beat Alabama. I don't know, but these are very winnable games coming coming up. And like you said, Austin, because they're winnable and just because of what Alabama is trying to accomplish. They need to win these games. Now, I also think that Auburn game is looking a little different with some of Auburn's struggles. You know, I think I can't remember which college basketball writer pundit it is that was talking about. This was even before they lost to West Virginia, talking about how Auburn's kind of maybe a fraud because their schedule was so light. And basically any good team they've played the or decent team they've lost to, they don't have very many quality wins. And so their overall yeah. record looks to be in a good place for the NCAA tournament. But unless they really turn things around, and the back half of their SEC schedule is tough, um, 
Auburn could not make the NCAA tournament this year, but you, I, I talk about LSU may not be full. Auburn will 100% be full and ready for <laughs> – oh, yeah. we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but they will, they will be ready for that game for sure. Yeah, you, you talked about um, the similarities. And, you know, I think I think he's been asked – Ose has been asked that twice now about, you know, losing to Oklahoma and, and trying to move forward. I think one on Saturday and then one, obviously, with you today. The difference is that Oklahoma team was an easy NCAA tournament team. And I believe Alabama lost that game by five points and never trailed by 32. And so right. I think that's why this this might feel a little different. Um, but no, it's still a great point because it's still, you know, you lost an out-of-conference game, but you got to keep your eyes and stay focused on the SEC. Um, but yeah, I think I think we would feel a lot different, right, if, if Alabama had lost this game by five on Saturday rather than the way they did. Yeah, I guess it's like it's a similar position of where yes. they were in the schedule, but maybe not a similar vibe. I think Oates is a lot more frustrated with this team at this point than he was mm-hmm. with that 2021 team. And I think you could kind of tell that in his answer to me today. Right. Yeah, he was like, well, we didn't get beat by 24 <laughs> last time. That was the difference. No, a- absolutely. Now, like you guys said, Alabama has a chance to really right the ship and get back to the ed- you know, reclaim that edge that ed- the Oates said they lost earlier in the year. So the next two games for Alabama will be Tuesday at home versus Vanderbilt. That game will be at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time on SEC Network. And then the game after that will be in Baton Rouge against LSU. Austin, like you said, they curb stomp them. And that yeah, will be honestly, it's, it, that, that will be your coverage there. But, uh, you know, it was just the way LSU's playing. You know, I kind of committed to going to Baton Rouge a long time ago, thinking that LSU might actually be a formidable basketball team. But now I'll be driving five hours to watch maybe another 40 piece. So we'll see. It, it depends what Alabama team we get on Saturday, right? Look, at this point, you might as well just head, head to New Orleans and enjoy yourself before the game and after the game. But nevertheless, that game is on Saturday, February 4th at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. It will be on the ESPN family of networks right now because we don't know yet. Yep. Yeah. ESPN, <laughs> ESPN2, ESPN. You could be anywhere. But I think Steven said today a little preview about MS ID. I think he said it's going to be on ESPNU. Okay. ES, ESPNU, tentatively, that is subject to change. Shout out to Steve. Katie Wyndham. <laughs> yeah, we got we got inside sources. But again, next next two games, Vanderbilt LSU, and then we'll be back on the podcast to talk about Florida, but that's later down the road. We're gonna segue into another another sport that's known in Alabama, the football team. And now there are six players after Henry Toa recently pulled out of the senior bowl. That that was that news broke earlier Monday, Monday morning that Toa was pulling out due to an undisclosed injury. And due to him pulling out, Jordan Battle also reneging on his, and then Will Reichert deciding to come back to school. That now leaves six players from Alabama that will be on Senior Bowl on the Senior Bowl American team: Demarco Helms, DJ Dale, Byron Young, Emil Ekior, Tyler Sean, and Cameron Latu. Katie, we're gonna kick this one off with you. There are the Senior Bowl is honestly a great opportunity for a lot of players, especially of course seniors, but who really could have had better years. This is the first. This is like the first crack of the draft process. So, of those six players that I named, who do you think would benefit the most from a great Senior Bowl showing? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, question because I'm not like an NFL draft expert. I don't keep up with that stuff a ton. I don't know what scouts are looking for necessarily and it's hard to know how much guys are actually going to play in the game but it's really less about the game and kind of what they do throughout the week maybe meeting with some scouts and interviews and just how they perform in practice and being coached by some of the NFL coaches and so you know I I think a guy that 
it's hard in games like this for offensive linemen to think that they're really going to, you know, be able to prove themselves. I think um, DeMarco Hellams is a guy that, um, you know, has, has something to prove, was on the back end of the Alabama defense that got burned a couple times this year, um, but has also, you know, flashed a lot of talent. And so I, I think also on offense, Cam Latu is a guy that really has developed for Alabama over the last couple of years. And it's kind of interesting. Um, this is like kind of random, but uh, on our Bama Central YouTube channel, go check it out, everyone. Um, my interview, or it wasn't my interview, just the video that I shot at the Sugar Bowl of all the interviews with uh, Cameron Latu. It's like over the last couple of weeks, every once in a while, I'll kind of get a bump in views because I think maybe some he, there's not a ton of interviews of him out there. And I've noticed some NFL fans like commenting on it about wanting him for their team. Or I don't know if maybe some scouts are watching it. Same thing with Jameer Gibbs video. But I think he's a guy that um, kind of had his ups and downs. With the Alabama offense obviously dealt with an injury at the beginning of the year, but um, could maybe have a a successful NFL career. Isn't he the one, Austin, you said at some point on a podcast? Yes, I'm glad you're jumping yeah. on the bandwagon. I'm a huge Cameron Latu guy. I think I said it over and over again. I thought he was probably the most consistent pass catcher on this Alabama team last year. So I think he's going to be great in the NFL just because he's very versatile. He can block, catch. Um, he's a he's a really good pass catcher tight end, and he can block. I mean, he, he didn't get to as many touches because Alabama runs the ball a lot, or at least at, at times does, and he's, he's in there blocking. But yeah, big Latu guy, I think. He's going to be a steal late in the draft for somebody. Honestly, I, I agree with. That. I think Latu really had a great junior year, not so great of a senior year, but I still think he has a lot to offer as a, as a tight end on the next level. Of course, he has a lot to compete against because there are a lot of tight ends out there. Specifically, my personal favorite for tight end is Darnell Washington from Georgia. Dude, six seven, you know, two hundred sixty pounds, just just a freaking behemoth at the tight end position. But I think I think Cam Latu definitely has a has a good chance of making an NFL roster and doing some great things. Now, to kind of somewhat transition, of course, also you can kind of keep talking about it if you want. But in terms of the draft process overall, this is an interesting crop for Alabama. Like, they they have Bryce Young, they have Will Anderson. But outside of them, this is not like a traditional or like previous Alabama drafts where there are just so many top-tier guys coming out of Alabama. You know, there are guys that certainly have questions, that have strengths, they have weaknesses, and even guys that, you know, Power a little bit more favorite, you know, Jordan Battle's injury, Henry Toto's injury. Those are guys that were actually fairly reasonable in terms of their position rankings going into the NFL draft. So in my opinion, this is going to be a very interesting tale of, you know, where Alabama kind of stacks up to the rest of the other prospects from around the country heading into the NFL draft. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's plenty of good talent coming out of Alabama in this draft, though. I think obviously um, we might not see as many drafted as high as we usually do, um, which makes sense. This is an Alabama team that missed the playoff and lost two games. Um, but yeah, I mean, it starts with Bryce Young. It starts with Will Anderson. They're going to be top five picks. I really like Brian Branch. I really like Jameer Gibbs. Um, I think those two guys will have great NFL careers. I've said I liked a lot too late because uh, he will fall late, and I think somebody will get him, and he'll end up being a starting tight end at some point in his career. Um, but I think Henry Toto will be a good NFL linebacker. Um, I agree. You know, he, he showed some weaknesses at time this year, but – I mean, still a really high IQ guy that makes a lot of tackles and, and can kind of control the middle of the defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's plenty of talent. And, you know, going back to your senior bowl question, I think all those guys that are playing in that game this week have stuff to prove because the list includes a bunch of guys that kind of had inconsistent seasons last year. Um, you know, we saw 
good moments from DeMarco Helms. We saw good stuff from DJ Dale. We saw really good stuff from Byron Young, including that Ole Miss game when he kind of saved the day. Uh, but, you know, Ikior and Tyler Steen, guys that, you know, kind of played on a struggling offensive line this year. So I'm not surprised that those are the guys that are keeping their name in this just so they can get a little bit more TV time uh, prior to the draft because they they are all talented players that have, you know, that maybe didn't have exactly the year they, the year they wanted at Alabama last year, but um, could can definitely still be, you know, something important for an NFL team in the future. Absolutely agree. Now, the Senior Bowl, again, is taking place this Saturday, February 4th. There will be six Alabama players participating, along with a host of other talented prospects from around the country. So please, if you want to tune in, watch your favorite player. And of course, it's a very interesting mix with with the Senior Bowl, because there's so many guys are trying to get every guy a chance to, you know, get some rips in during the game. But like Katie said, the week leading up to is just as important as the game itself. I think it's a very important thing to keep in mind. Again, that Senior Bowl will be Saturday, February 4th. And the last, the last thing we're going to talk about, we're kind of going up against the grain here. We got about five minutes left before the Zoom time's out. The one thing I want to add before we call it a day, a quick piece on Alabama women's basketball. Granted, women's basketball lost by 10 points to South Carolina, but I think that really kind of shows the potential of what Alabama women's basketball could be if they fix some of the, some of the major flaws that they have. Their defense is really, really solid. They're doing a lot of great things in terms of the last two major opponents they played. They played LSU, and yes, the box score shows that they got blown out. But covering, at least early on, I'll say early on, you know, to kind of add a asterisk, they played well, they played with energy, but their offense simply failed them. For those who didn't know, Alabama shot literally the worst shooting and three-point percentage all year against LSU. And I don't care who you play. You could you could play, you know, Southeastern Louisiana, which is who they played in earlier in the year. If you shoot 18% from three and you're a three-point shooting team, you're not going to win. Like that, that's just the end all be all about it. And then when you add Angel Reese and Alexis Morris and all the talent on LSU on top of that, you're, you're gonna, it's a recipe for disaster. Now, against South Carolina, they did much better. The offense was much more lively. But granted, South Carolina is honestly just deeper. They have more top tier talent just across the board with um, Bree Bill. Bree Bill was a leading scorer, not Bree Bill, Bree Hall, excuse me. Bree Hall was a leading scorer for South Carolina, and she averaged five points a game, but she's not like Donald's all American, so she can play. But when you're behind Zia Cook, Aaliyah Boston, and just the amount of talent that South Carolina has, you know, it's kind of hard to do that. But to lose only 10 points to the top team in the country where others are just getting housed, I think that's yeah. a how about uh, you didn't even mention it. How about the win in Fayetteville earlier this week? Oh, that look, um, you're, you're right, you're right about that, Austin. That comeback, right win. about it. Look, they're Hannah apparently the Hannah hashtag Hannah from Homewood. Yes. Look, it, and I mean, let's be honest about the game yesterday. I mean, I don't know if women's basketball has betting lines, but if they did, I guarantee you they would have been favored by more than 15 points in Tuscaloosa yesterday. And yet Alabama kind of fought hard there for a while. They, they absolutely they absolutely did. And I think that's the that's the biggest thing. Their defense is there. Their defense is really, really solid. What really worries me is just their offense and on multiple fronts. Number one. They have, they're, they're a perimeter-centric team. They have a lot of perimeter scores, but the offense that they run is kind of more geared towards a slasher, a driver. And when you when you have an offense not really conducive to the personnel, that can that can kind of, you know, cause some issues. Now, granted, the offense they're running isn't bad. It's not terrible. You know, driving, kick, swinging around, that's, that's the basics of basketball. But you probably want to highlight more of what you have in terms of perimeter shooting. You know, Brittany Davis can light it up. Aaliyah Nye is, is knocked down. Hannah Barber can really shoot it, but sometimes she kind of gets shy and doesn't want to shoot as much as she should. And then Loyal McQueen, Loyal McQueen and Sarah, Sarah Ashley Barker has scored in four double-digit games this season. All four of those games have come during SEC play. So she's starting to find her rhythm as a scorer. 
They're going to have to find more of the rhythm offensively, and they got to find some depth. Megan Megan Abrams, the second leading scorer, will be out for a couple more weeks with a hamstring injury. Kyleway Warren is out for the season with a knee injury. They just lost Jamal Mingo Young, who was medically disqualified. Carly Weathers is also Carly Weathers, the dynamite freshman who was doing so well to start the year, has just gone cold during SEC play. They're going to have to find some kind of depth to kind of kind of help out and support the starters, help out support the core players. And if they don't do that, they're not going to set themselves up for success. They need more time. They need more production. You know, further down, they just need more production offensively. I feel like if the offense continues to progress and the defense, you know, stays with the same amount of energy and attacking the glass, I think they'll be just fine. And the next opportunity they'll get to do that, excuse me, will be Sunday, February 5th. They'll have the week off. And after the week off and then Sunday, February 5th, they'll take on Missouri in Columbia, 4 p.m. Central Central Standard Time, and that'll be on SEC Network. But... That will wrap up this episode. Thank you also for reminding me because we, we were really against the clock, but hey, we got it in. We had a lot to discuss, but we got it all in. So again, thank you with Austin and Katie. I'm Mason Smith. This has been the All Things Bama, Bama Oh, I'm stuttering. <laughs> all Things Bama Podcast on the Bama Central Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening.